Hey, well, welcome to the Chord of Three podcast. This is Spencer Breedlove, and this uh, today I've got my special friend, Will Parker. Will's my teammate with FCA, uh, was uh, one of the hires that I had almost two years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, Will and I are on the road heading to the Woodlands camp to go and visit our teammates and some students up here at uh, FCA Winter Recharge Camp. And while we are on the road, Will and I are talking about hunting. Let's see, we're going to talk about working out. We got to work out this morning. Will crushed it at uh, D1 this morning. And we're also going to talk a little bit about, um, about autism. Will and his wife have a little boy, Renan, who um, has autism, and Will's going to talk a little bit about that, too. Um, outside of that, we have no idea where this conversation is going to go, but we hope you enjoy it, and we hope that this conversation makes you think, makes you laugh, even may make you cry. Who knows? We'll see. If Will starts to cry, man, <laughs> I'm a, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have to pull the truck over and have to get a towel out or something. It's possible. I can be quite the emotional guy. <laughs> so, Will, tell us a little bit about who you are, where you from, where you grew up, what you love to do, all that good stuff. So, I am from Milledgeville, Georgia. I say born and raised. Technically, I was born at the hospital in Macon, but came back immediately home to Milledgeville and have called it home all my life besides a few years when I went to the University of Georgia. Go, Go dogs. Um, graduated from the Warnell School of Forestry and Natural Resources um, with a Bachelor of Science in Forestry Resources, but my emphasis was fisheries and wildlife, and I did work in that field um, with my uncle, Brett Eanes, and his company, AWL, um, Wildlife Management, and also a company called Bug House, removed critters for a while really enjoyed it besides the the ladders and the roofs kind of got sketchy at some point Um, but then talked to Spencer just stayed in touch with him over the years we met while I was in college I was interning at a church called Watkinsville First Baptist with their worship team and Spencer was part of a church plant lead pastor at the church plant right at the time yep and looking were, looking for a worship pastor to come on staff with us. And I tried to get you on staff, but you kept saying no. Yeah. You had other things going on. Yes. I was being stubborn about that. You were. Young. Finally got right with the Lord. <laughs> young William. Um, but we just stayed in touch. I've always viewed Spencer as a, a mentor of mine, even not knowing him super well. Just It was one of those things that, that once I met him, through Statum and that that few times of helping out with, with the worship, that he just seemed like a solid guy. If I've learned anything in my life and in my walk with Christ, it's to surround yourself with people who are going to build you up and challenge you. So we stayed in touch, and lo and behold, long story short, they were looking for an area rep for FCA in Milledgeville, and Carly and I prayed about it, and God just kept open, opening every door um, as we proceeded through the trial training boot camp um, and everything that it entails for the onboarding process to become full-time staff and here we are two years later um, I have an awesome wife her name is Carly and we have a beautiful baby boy I call him a baby boy he is no longer a baby he's no baby anymore he's three and a half um, and he is autistic he's on the spectrum and we'll dive into that a little bit later on and we also have a beautiful baby girl who will be nine months in a couple weeks Um, so we live technically in Jones County but all of our ministry everything we do is focused around Milledgeville essentially and then also for FCA I cover Washington Wilkinson and Hancock counties so God in his sovereignty and like only he can do used my passion for um, evangelism and sharing the gospel and intertwined it with my passion for sports and the influence that coaches and student athletes can have on their campuses. So that leads us to where we're at today. 
Now, you're also on staff at a church. Did we mention? Did you mention that? I have not. I'm also on staff with Church Central. I've been there for six and a half. Uh, next fall will be seven years, which will be crazy because I'll see my first group from sixth grade go all the way through. They'll be seniors next year. Yeah, um, so now you start to feel old in starting, student ministry. <laughs> I am. Yes. For the first time ever, I can admit that I'm, I'm feeling a little bit old. Just but. wait Just wait till they start to ask you to do their their weddings. <laughs> yeah, I know it's coming, um, hopefully later rather than sooner. But Church Central has been a huge blessing in my life. Um, they took a chance on a young guy who honestly, I guess through the interview process, wasn't 100% sure that God was calling me into the student ministry. I just had a, a feeling, uh, younger and more immature in my faith at, at that point seven years ago, but they have uh, walked alongside me. They're great folks to, to serve with, um, and it's been awesome to see God use that student ministry with the youth there and also um, kind of go hand in hand with the FCA. Um, so we've got some awesome folks there that um, I'm very thankful to do ministry with. Well, we're glad that you are on staff with with us with FCA. You're a good teammate, and um, I appreciate it. Yeah, love having you down there. I don't have to make that drive anymore. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> so we uh, we were talking about uh, dogs uh, and what you enjoy doing, like with hunting and training dogs and that sort of thing but before we get there you absolutely just especially when we got to the kettlebell workout the kettle that whole kettlebell like complex we did you crushed it i was i was i was right behind you i was like i'm gonna beat him i'm gonna beat him i'm gonna try it but i could not do it i could not you you lap me you lap me on one of them and i was like oh man but it was uh it was a good it was a good workout it was that was uh that was interesting to say the least i didn't know really what to expect coming from the crossfit world Mm -hmm. um and really before that my only knowledge of fitness was quote unquote working out for you know football season but we we never really had a true strength and conditioning coach in the weight room it was just something on the board. You walked in, you did it. There was not a lot of accountability. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I depended on my athletic ability more so than I did my physical strength. I, I could throw a ball um, fairly well and pretty far. And, uh, you know, as a football player, played quarterback, uh, as a pitcher, I just – mechanics. I was like, I'll just focus on mechanics. I'm not worried about building strength. Um, and that was pretty ignorant. But, you know, when you're a high schooler, you think you know everything. Um, so took a, mm-hmm. a break from the physical fitness world in college. And as it turns out, if you go from running and playing, uh, whether it is for a hobby or for school organized sport, if you quit that <laughs> and just start eating whatever Athens has to offer, you will gain weight. Um, How much weight did you gain? So I graduated a skinny 185. Um, and I, at my worst, I would say I was about 230 pounds. 230. Um, yes. So we've got some, some pictures to prove it. I don't bring them out very often. But um, I was talking with you and Lisa about it earlier. Of a stint of anxiety about four years ago really opened my eyes back into not just physical fitness but mental health and what I was consuming and eating played a huge effect on how my body felt, how I slept, my hormone imbalance at the time. Um, and man, I've learned ever since then. I, I connected with an old high school friend named Logan Brookins, and we did all the monotonous things you could think of with counting macros, your fats, your right. proteins, your carbs, tracking, finding your maintenance, how much food can you eat without gaining weight. <laughs> And you know, healthy food, yeah. whole foods, and then start from there, and you know, go into a, a calorie deficit, mixed in, start pushing in some workout. Let's increase your uh, your energy. How how much are you going to push today or this week? And so, he has it dialed in, man. He's a he's a genius with that stuff. Uh, and then I surrounded myself with a great group of friends back home: um, Ray Mosley, 
and Nolan Ball, we went to school together and we still hang out and work out together as much as we can. We both have, uh, or all three of us have, have families with, with chillings, so it can get tough to get together. But also a good friend of mine who I've come to know over the past couple of years, Clayton Faircloth, oh, excuse me, Faircloth, he pushes me in, in the CrossFit realm. Um, we actually go to Central State CrossFit together, um, and the guy is a beast. If you look at him, you think uh, he, he's just like a, a, a skinnier, not super thick guy, but he can sling some weight. As a matter of fact, uh, we were doing power cleans yesterday, and I'm almost certain I looked over there, and he, he had 245 on the bar. Woo! <laughs> That's and, strong. Uh, yeah, he, he's a strong dude. But they, they push me in a great way. They, they don't. It's not like we're just dudes who check in on each other and, you know, Snapchat, whatever, what you're eating, even if we're throwing down on some dessert. I mean, we keep it real. Um, but they have definitely helped me in the in the fitness world, and it's become a lifestyle. Yeah. So I've, I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, that's awesome. So you, at, at most, were 230. So how much do you weigh now? I'm back down to a 185 range, between 185 and 190. That's solid. Uh, but I've definitely, and I have a long way to go, I'm not super strong, but I have replaced a lot of fat with more, definitely more muscle than I had um, when I was in high school. And people laugh at that and they say, well, you should. Um, and yeah, that's a true statement. But at the same time, I have the pleasure of hanging out with a lot of these student athletes in the weight room. And I can assure you, if I would have capitalized uh, on my physique and my metabolism, and the ability to gain muscle mass during that time, I would have been as strong as I am now, if not stronger. Uh, there's kids in there who will throw up stupid amounts of weight. It's crazy what those kids can sling. <laughs> it really is. I try not to work out around them too no. much. It's embarrassing. No, yeah. It, <clears throat> I'm not slinging that weight. No. But the, uh, well, don't under, I mean, don't, Underestimate yourself, man. You, you're a lot stronger than you think you are. We're getting there. Based on what I saw this morning, the uh, there's some there's some definite strength there. The endurance is there. Yeah, that's always been my bread and butter. I don't know the what, endurance is there. What it has been, but I could I could not do anything for three weeks and just go out and start running. Between the between the kettlebell complex and the in the sled mountain that we did this morning that sled mountain about got me so on that sled mountain we had to push a sled 10 yards run back and then pull it with one of those battle ropes I guess that's what you would call it a battle rope I don't know but it was a thick rope it wasn't just a I mean I don't know that thing's probably a couple inches thick and we had to pull the weight of the sled back and then build up 50 pounds every round. And do you know how much those sleds weigh, by the way? I don't. I was trying to do the math, which is dangerous, um, but I just factored with plates, you had 100 on each side at the highest, the, the heaviest weight. That's so right. 200 total plus whatever the weight of the sled. I think those sleds are anywhere from 75 to 100 pounds. Um, we'll go with 100 to make ourselves feel better. Yeah, let's do that. We'll just go with 100. So, yeah, at most, you're pushing three. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, you'd be pushing a total of three and then pulling three. Pulling was definitely harder. Oh, my gosh. Man. But with everything else in the fitness world, it is all about technique. It and was. That's, you, coach, you coach me up on the technique piece. Well, I've, like I said, I've surrounded myself with people who know way more about it than I do, and they have, they've helped me out a ton. Even last night working out at, at Central State, like I, I was telling you earlier with the, the power cleans, jumping up 10 pounds doesn't sound like a lot, but when I had somebody there, Mitchell was coaching, uh, on the floor, and he's like, "Dude, get your elbows up, explode, pull up higher, then get under the bar." All I had, and somebody told me that, and I was like, "Okay," and I did it. And it made sense, and lo and behold, we go from 185 to 195. Man, you get you good. get good coaching. 
on the technique piece. It's amazing how much weight you can move. For sure. It really is. All right, so quick question on the whole working out, the whole yep. dieting piece. Um, what are some of the what are some of the key things that you've learned in all of this? And it could be anything from you know the I mean it could really be anything. What are just some things that you've learned? Top three things. Consistency um, would be number one, and that means that uh, allow yourself some flexibility. Even if you have a quote-unquote off day, um, I was so driven in college when I would look at myself and I'm like, man, I've, I've gained 20, 30 pounds. I'm like, well, I've got to go straight salads and water for, from here on out. I had no concept of, of overall health whatsoever, but that was my idea. And so I would do that for two weeks at most if I made it that far, and then I would snap and just go back to eating, eating trash. So what I've learned is consistently, everybody will kind of tell you the 80-20 rule is Mm -hmm. a good rule of thumb. Enjoy yourself. I mean, don't put so much pressure on yourself right out of the gate that you're setting yourself up for failure. If your first step is just drinking water instead of soda, drink water and continue. If it's hard for you to drink water plus eat one healthy meal a day, then just drink water until you feel comfortable taking that next step but whatever you do you have to commit to it and then stay consistent with it yeah if you, if you fall off the wagon per se um, get back on get just get right that wagon's still moving on. so just yeah. get back on it um, get back on. that's what has taken me from you know in the gym that's what's taken me from because there were days where i was you know, squatting and everybody around me was i mean dude i was struggling to get 185 up on a back squat and people who had been in there consistently for five, six, seven years, uh, slinging 350 plus. I mean, I've watched, uh, I already talked about Nolan and Clayton. I watched them one day throw 405 down, and I was like, dude, what on earth? Um, But consistency is what gets you there. So So where are you at now on the back squat? I haven't PR'd um, or attempted to PR in a long time, Um, actually since Squattober of last year. Mm -hmm. And it was at 265 then. Okay. Um, so I would love to join the 300-pound club. I don't know if I've made that big a jump in a year and a half, and that sounds crazy, but those in the fitness world will, will understand um, the game. be a big jump. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty big that's jump. That's a big jump. Um, so realistically, if I were to be able to go in and hit 285, I'd be proud. That's um, a big, big, big jump. But um, my goal is set for, for 305 on the squat. Um, by the end of next year, and then also to, to hit the 225 club on the bench press. But we got a long ways to go there. But consistency is what gets you there. Um, That's good, consistency. What else? Number two, discipline. Mm-hmm. And you might think that goes hand-in-hand hand with consistency. In, it, in a way, it does. Um, but what I've learned so far, even with going to 5 a.m. classes, and my schedule changes day-to-day based on my wife's a full-time photographer. Sometimes Renan may have to go to speech therapy in Macon, or one of the kids woke up at 3 a.m. I mean, we've got youngins, like young youngins. So things change, but if you stay disciplined, uh, you always come back to that rhythm. And that's what we talk about in FCA, and that has done wonders for me. Is We call them rhythms, but and really it's disciplines. Um, yeah. And staying disciplined on a commitment that you made whether it is, like I said, just drinking water, um, you stay disciplined on that, then what starts out to be really hard becomes natural and it becomes a lifestyle. Um, so stay in discipline, whether that is just going to a class once a day, uh, once a week, once a month, whatever it may be, you just have to be disciplined. Um, so consistency, number one. Discipline, number two. And to me, find something you enjoy. Um, so actually have fun when you work out mm-hmm. would, would be my my third, I guess, right off the dome, if I'm just saying them out loud. Yeah. That, that'd be my third characteristic um, or attribute of staying successful in the physical fitness world. For me, I'm the crazy CrossFit guy. I don't know what it is about it. Maybe it's the challenge of watching people do things that I never thought I could do like these bar movements um, there's a lot of gymnastics movements in crossfit i'm more of a taller guy at six foot on a good day six one 
Um, I'm not necessarily the prototype for the CrossFit world. Hey, on a good day, I'm six <laughs> one. I hear you. <laughs> oh man, we can all believe what we want to believe. If right? anybody knows me, I'll never see six one in my life <laughs> unless I'm standing on a box. Oh, man. But just having fun, like the CrossFit community, um, to me, is enjoyable. It pushes you. I like to be pushed. That's kind of my leadership style. I like to surround myself with people who aren't gonna um, just sugarcoat anything. They're gonna tell you how it is. I'm a very realistic person, um, and that's how I handle business. So in the gym, I'm the same way. I don't like I go in and I cut up, and anybody who's worked out with me will tell you that that I have fun. I try to have more fun than anybody. Um, but the 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 challenge of it to me, there's there's always room to improve. There's still some movements that I can't even do, like a bar muscle up. So I'm always, you know, you've got that goal to work towards. And to me, if you have goals that you're working towards, you're going to be uh, more disciplined and you are going to stay consistent with it. So if, if fun for you is running, some people, I've got friends um, back home that just run, and that's awesome. Like they, they would run circles around me, literally. Um, and that's their, that's their bread and butter. They love to run. Some people are strictly strength and conditioning. They're, they're not more of the metabolic conditioning. They like the free weights, uh, the squat rack, the bench press, not moving super fast. Uh, but whatever it is that you enjoy doing, maybe it's a at-home workout in the living room just to get your heart rate up for 10 minutes. Whatever is doable and whatever you enjoy, do it. And don't worry about what everybody else is doing. Just focus on you um, and do the best you can do. Compete with yourself every day. Let everything else fall into place. That's a good word. Compete with yourself every day. It's you versus you. Mm-hmm. It is you versus you every day. Every day. That's a good word. I don't understand why people think running is just fun, though. <laughs> I got them, man. I, I don't got those understand friends. it. I'm talking about in the rain, Lauren. Nah. Y'all know who y'all are. Y'all crazy, man. Uh, I I can run, like I can run too, but if I, I need to, it's not my first option. I am trying to um, accomplish the um, the performance standard test of doing an eight minute mile. Old PST. Old yeah, PST. we need to get together and see where we're at. I'm, we're both gonna have our feelings hurt, I believe. But mine was ten minutes. Somewhere. Mine was ten minutes twenty seconds. That I did that the other day. Nice. But I've got. Now, the last time I tracked a run was three years ago. That was probably the last time I ran. Yeah. But tracked a run was three years ago, and it was at 13-minute pace. So between – and that was probably 2.30 at that point in my weight mm-hmm. when I did that run. And um, so I've shaved off three minutes – in those three. So a minute a year, that's pretty good. Ain't, ain't bad at all. <laughs> I'll take that. I'll take that. Uh, now I got uh, two more years, I guess. That's improvement. Uh, you'll get it. Hopefully quicker. I won't. You'll get it quicker than that. Hopefully now it'll go D1. quicker. Yeah. I'll get you right. I hope so. I hope so. Well, uh, so dogs, hunting. Mm-hmm. You have had some opportunity to do some hunting this year. I know, and you've been training your uh, Brittany Span Brittany Spaniel Boykin Boykin Spaniel, not a Brittany. Wasn't you have a Boykin Spaniel. They're all wild. Grizz. That's him. Good little dog, and um, he uh, he's doing really well from what I can see. He is. This is his first year hunting with me, and um, for the little amount of training time we've had with two kids now and then also training um, dogs for clients. He is doing really well and he, he's gonna get there. He's got the drive, he's a little stud. So I'm excited to uh, to work with him and, and see how far he can go and push his potential. So what what got you, because this is really intriguing, mm-hmm. what got you into training dogs? So I guess the to start it all from the very beginning, my dad actually worked for uh, animal control for a stint in Baldwin County. 
and when he would go to clean kennels, I would go to work with him sometimes, and he would let dogs out. They had a fenced-in area, and then I'd help him, you know, do whatever I could at that age. I was, I was really young. You so were cleaning poop yeah, is what you were doing. I probably wasn't. You were cleaning poop. I was probably being lazy, um, and he was just letting me play with dogs. But I just, I've always grown up around dogs. My, my first memories are around dogs, and so I've just always loved them. And I thought, growing up, since I love dogs so much, it made sense to become a veterinarian. Um, but it turns out you have to pass a lot of chemistry classes. <laughs> you didn't pass them. And uh, the, going I, to. I passed the ones I needed to pass for forestry, and that was about it. And I barely <laughs> got through there. So um, as far as the weed-out courses, they they weeded me out right off the get-go. Um, so I, the, the vet route was a no-go. But I've always loved animals, but in particular dogs. Um, and so, like I said, we grew up around dogs. My dad had dogs. Want to go over to his house. Mom had dogs and we were just always playing they were always good companions there for you when nobody else was um but then we got into hunting i'd say i started duck hunting when i was 19 my buddy jordan took me on my first hunt on a little wood duck roost and we were just shooting them as they got off the roost passing us i mean there wasn't hardly anything to it but i didn't know any different at the time um, shot my first wood duck actually on the wall in Renan's room right hmm. now so beautiful i kid you not i hadn't seen another wood duck drake which is the male species of a wood duck that looked that good full and mature just a one of the best looking wood ducks that that i've seen fortunate enough to harvest it so next to a mallard a wood duck is really a beautiful duck they are to me they are the most beautiful uh, of the species um just if, if you really examine them it's so intricate the their plumage Mm-hmm. and everything that goes on. There is a lot of stuff that's going on with a wood duck. <laughs> yeah. The coloration is, is incredible. Yeah. Um, but we started hunting more. that After I shot that first wood duck, I'm pretty sure I was in Jordan's back pocket. Like, dude, where can we go? When can we go? How can we go? And it just started my, my love and passion for waterfowl. And not just hunting waterfowl, but conservation and bird biology and learning about migration, how they move. So I, I dove in deep. Obviously, it led me to Warnell at UGA, um, and that was what I wanted to do initially was waterfowl management. Um, but as you get older and learn more about the world and state agencies and federal agencies, you you learn what you want really want to do and, and what you don't want to do. And I didn't want to be a, a guy that got moved from here to there. And, uh, basically, I, not that I'm in control of my own destiny as a follower of Christ. I, I know that I submit to his authority and his will, but as far as my family, I didn't want the potential to be there to, hey, you, you've got to go mm-hmm. as soon as I get comfortable. Um, so I did the wildlife removal route. Um, but back to ducks, we just kept hunting and I introduced my dad to it, and he enjoys it as much as I do. We're actually getting ready to go to Missouri a little over a week from today um, and try our luck out there. But we noticed as we hunted public, because that's all we had at the time, was we would bust our tails, get there super early, claim the spot, just to shoot a handful of ducks. I mean, at best, we shot three, four, maybe five. In Georgia. In Georgia, yeah. you got to think middle Georgia, Lake Sinclair, Lake Oconee. Which you're probably only going to have maybe an hour of hunting yeah, at that time. Yeah, I, I mean, you can sit out there as long as you want to, but you're just going to watch the sunrise on a, mm-hmm. on a good morning and watch some other birds fly around and really smart you'll bring a fishing pole with you but um we just noticed that a lot of times we would shoot cripple birds and they'd Mm. get away and you talk about being frustrated from getting up early setting out decoy spreads doing the whole nine just to shoot a handful of ducks and then not even be able to bring them all back in the boat and back home because we eat ducks um a lot of people i guess shoot them for the sport and there's nothing wrong with that either but we like to harvest and, and eat, and what we don't eat, I keep to train with dogs, so they go to good use. Um, but I <laughs> I got to the point when I was old enough and coming out of college that I told Carly that as soon as I got a chance, I was going to get a dog, and I was going to try my luck at training one, and I had no idea how it was going to pan out. But I ended up connecting with a breeder out of North Carolina, uh, Miss Kathy, and Whiskey Creek Chesapeake's. And I've always mm. been... Not a guy that goes against the grain, because I love labs. Like training labs, it's like they come with a, a manual and they read it before they come mm. to the kennels. Like they know exactly what to do. They're they're awesome for the majority 
of labs there awesome to work with but i just wanted something a little different and i i, I still have the ducks unlimited magazine in my nightstand but it had a chessy on the front um dead grass which was kind of that's their version of a mild yellowish mm. coat if you will mm -hmm. and i thought man i've got to have one of these and i didn't people told me all along the way will these dogs are stubborn um, they're hard-nosed hunters, but they can definitely be hard to train. Are you sure this is going to be your first dog and you're going to try to do it? And I was like, let's go. Um, so I got Bristol, and she was excellent. Um, she, looking back on it now, she, unfortunately, when I moved out to Jones County, she either ran away or somebody took her. But in our early years together, she was that dog that if she was still around now, she could have been that, that dog of a lifetime. Me making as many mistakes as I did, she was right there along the way mm. um, and stuck it out with me and would say yes to everything I asked, even when she didn't want to, and even when I was a young, ignorant trainer just burning her up with an e-collar. Um, she mm. she showed more patience to me than I've probably ever shown any any human being. Um, I miss her all the time, but working with her just confirmed that passion of man. It's so awesome to see a dog that you know has potential to do what they love to do and you get to take it and you get to mold it mm. um, and help them to understand, yes, we're gonna let you have fun, we're gonna let you hunt, but we're gonna do it under these conditions. Um, and once they learn, I call it the game, once they learn the game of retrieving, man, they, they understand their job and they start to live for it. And that right there is what kind of took me to, hey, I wanna do this for other people. Um, and kind of where I'm at right now. Man, that's awesome. That's really, really cool. And and I know, I remember when you uh, when when you moved and you were just heartbroken over Bristol when uh, when when she was lost and you oh, were yeah. trying to find her. And, Dude, uh, we looked harder for that dog. I put her up on a billboard. I just, ah. <laughs> I just, it blows my mind that nobody had seen her. Um, yeah. But, you know, that's neither here nor there now. But we tried, man. We did everything we could. We had search parties. There were people who I hadn't talked to in months, maybe even years, reaching yeah. out like, hey, I saw this on Facebook. I'm looking out. Um, it wasn't from a lack of trying. But man, the relationship between a man and his dog is pretty special, isn't it? Yeah, I was, I was tore up on that one for a little while. Carly could tell <laughs> she she's awesome and she knows me so well since we've been dating and known each other since high school and obviously are now married but she knew when to ask how I'm doing and, and just mm. kind of let me be but we uh, eventually got through that season but that was I was like oh, it's just it's just a dog but it, it's, it's always, more than just it's a dog man just a dog. it's always more than just a dog you put your heart and soul into that dog and all that time man well now you've got grizz now what color is grizz grizz is brown all right um, so he's brown yeah. there ain't no like dead grass type <laughs> no he's he's brown. special color no he's a brown old boykin um he's and, got a small little speck of white on his chest but that's um, completely normal for akc registered boykin spaniels Green eyes? I don't know. I think he has hazel eyes. They're um, beautiful. I know that. But I need to look. What's odd? Well, I say odd. It's kind of bizarre. And I need to pull up a side by side. Bristol. If you just look at their faces and their um, muzzle, they have almost. It, it is kind of eerie. The similar look that they have. You take the coat and obviously the body proportion size away but the the look that she used to give me is almost the same look that Grizz gives me and they call the, the Boykin Spaniels the red-headed stepchild of the Chessies and maybe that's why I lean towards them because um, you'll see the wavy coat in the Boykins um, and maybe that's why I jumped into the Spaniel hmm. world instead of going directly to the labs but I'll, I'll own a lab one day um, but yeah Grizz is he's a stud he's a looker ever since I've had him people been like man that's a good looking dog and I've always said if he can hunt as good as he looks we'll be all right well, I got, I got to watch him hunt when we went quail hunting earlier this year, and he was still, you know, just he was still just learning. He'll bust up a covey now. He did. Yeah. He really did. You let him. He's he's the wrecking ball. 
that's my dumb ass. <laughs> that's him. Wow. So now, did you get? Were you trained at all? Did you get any like any certification or anything like that with training dogs or? I did. What? So I reached out to a local trainer, Kyle Moody, with Foulmouth Retrievers, and asked him. And he was so gracious. That's and, a cool name. Yeah, dude. He's, <laughs> he runs a jam-up operation, um, which, oddly enough, since we moved to Jones County, we're only a couple miles from one another. But he is a, a great trainer, been around a long, long time, um, and does a tremendous job. And he was nice enough to answer questions and texts and phone calls from a young, giddy, probably annoying guy. Um, and he referred me to basically some DVDs um, one of one of the well-known trainers out there, and you can find you know, whichever whichever one you want. There's a, a bajillion if you go look out there. But I just watched these Duck Dog Basic videos, and I thought, man, if I can replicate this with Bristol, I, th- I think we'll have a, a good hunting dog. And I used that as kind of a template, um, a starting point. And whenever we catch a hiccup, I would just refer back to my days of just being around dogs and understanding dog behavior. And I did. I would I would read up some literature on understanding dog behavior because obviously they're not going to communicate with you verbally. Mm-hmm. So you have to understand how they're feeling the best you can and make corrections on the money if you really want to get the best out of them. So between reading and on my own and watching the DVDs, we set out. Um, and she did extremely well. We jumped into the Hunt and Retriever Champion World, HRC or UKC, for anybody who's not familiar with Hunt Test. It's just an opportunity for you to take your dog. They set up tests. They have a started level, a uh, seasoned level, mm-hmm. and then a finished level. And uh, she was at the seasoned level with her title. Um, and we were going, we were jumping into the finished world which would make her a hunt retriever champion which is a proven hunting dog uh, excellent hunting dog um, and she was well on her way bristol was and my goal is to get grizz there too um, but we started with some dvds man and then when we That's like awesome. i said when we when we run into a hiccup or she wasn't quite getting it you know the way the book said it or the the dvd explained it then i would just take a step back and try to set her up for success the best way I knew how. I would look at her and say, all right, well, here's her strengths, here's her weaknesses. How can I set this drill up to where she's going to understand what I'm asking her to do? Once she understands what I'm asking her to do, then we can apply some discipline. But right now, she's just trying to put pen to paper and understand what I'm asking. Um, And once I figured her out, she figured me out, we just started moving one step at a time. And the next thing you know, I'm taking her out to hunts, and we would smack some woodies which are fast and furious and you really don't want your dog out there while ducks are trying to come land because if you're hunting with somebody who's inexperienced they might shoot your dog yeah so i'd hold her back um and she did not like that she would whine and let you <laughs> and let you know <laughs> she was ready to go get something but you know let's say we shot four or five in a pond or at a buddy's house i'd send her out and we would do what they call blind retrieves because um, she wouldn't mark every single one of them but we went from, you know, picking up a, a dummy in the yards at 20 yards to picking up a wood duck across the pond that she never saw, and she had to sit on a whistle in the pond and follow my hand direction to guide her to the bird. Man, um, that has to be a beautiful sight. Uh, people, and <laughs> to me, when you do it over and over and over again, it's just part of the, the machine of training a dog, and it's what's expected. You know, it's, it's the standard. But people who have never seen it before it was very humbling for them to say man that i've never seen a dog do that before it was incredible to watch that dog i would have been in awe (laughs) it is it is something when you have not necessarily control but in a sense you are controlling um the dog and you have command with a species that does not talk but y'all are essentially talking to one another without speaking yes Um, it's a very very cool thing to do and it's uh it's something that keeps me going back to, that to is so cool so cool all right so we are almost to our destination we still got one more thing to talk about but before we get there what uh what are some things that you've learned in uh training dogs that maybe you apply in life oh dude <laughs> that'll take us right into renning okay um well, let's do that 
looking back on it now, you know, it's it's hard for me to say exactly what God was doing, but in my human brain, the best I can piece it all together, it, it's really cool that God used dogs and training with a non-verbal um, way hmm. of you know communicating with the dogs and having to understand their body language and what they're feeling to Ren and now um, get through this <laughs> one little thing and then I'll be good to go. Yeah. Um, initial that initial talk about it, but um, yeah. for those who don't know, my son Renan was diagnosed with autism in 2019. Um, so he was a year and a half, about 18 months old when we got the diagnosis, mm. and we just didn't. You know, it was our first kid. <laughs> we were new parents. We didn't know what the world was going on, um, but he's three and a half now. We've learned a ton. We could do a separate podcast just on him, um, but just to, for time, he's uh, he's still nonverbal. But we're working with a speech therapist out of Macon, and they're an incredible team. Um, and he also worked with an ABA therapist right out of the gate, and she was awesome to us and to Renan. Um, and maybe we'll get to do some work with her again in the future. Um, but to to work with dogs first, and to understand, obviously they don't speak, so you do you you, you pick up on. Uh, how they're feeling they, they almost give you <laughs> they almost give you this look like all right i'm i'm ready or i'm not feeling it today or they'd go out some days and we train and i'm like bristol you are and even grizz now i'm like dude what the world like you just you get them out of the kennel and they're just not feeling it um and you you learn how to operate as a team and transitioning into being a parent um to Renan, who is on the autism spectrum who does not speak it to me it was like Yes, it's a huge learning curve, but I've I've already been there with the dogs, and now we're just going to apply this to hmm. my son. So we're trying to, to teach him. The goal is not, at first for me, I was like, I just want him to talk. I just want him to talk. I just want him to talk. Because everybody wants that. Yeah. You know, that communication. And it, I really, I want it more for him than for me. I want him to be able to tell me what he needs and what he wants and not be so frustrated. Um, but that's essentially what we're doing now when we either play at the house with him or we take him into public and we go places and overall you know the spectrum is so so big um and autism affects people in such a different way his motor skills are pretty good um socially he can go into public places we'll go to walmart the the bigger places with all the lights and the noises and he doesn't tend to to really have a meltdown every now and then he will um if it's a an environment that he's just overwhelmed in Um, but just having to communicate with him as a father you you want to parent and discipline and instruct and love him the best you can and you know scripturally how God's called me to and so you learn how to do that and we just do it with as of now a, a child that that can't speak but that doesn't mean they're not communicating just like the dogs they couldn't speak back to me but they would definitely let me know what was working and what was not working um so we i say we carly does it in her own way i do it you know the way i do it and we try to team up with this group um they um, rdi therapy is is what it's called um and we try to work together as a team to help Renan communicate, help him engage with us and understand that, you know, we, we're there for him when he needs to make sense of something or needs help. Because where he's at right now, and a lot of kids on the autism spectrum are this way, they're just trying to make sense of everything on their own. Um, they're looking around and whereas I would reference my parents growing up, if we're in a crowd, like, where are you at? Can you help me? How can you bring comfort to me? If he goes into that same situation, his instinct and the way his brain is wired is to make sense of everything on his own. Um, and so that may come in the form of putting his hands over his ears or you know, just kind of being reclusive. It just comes out differently, a different behavior that we normally wouldn't think is socially acceptable, but it's perfectly normal. If we're all honest, we would want to do those things. We just don't do it. We can mask it. Um, but yeah, that transition into training dogs and communicating non-verbally with them went right on in to helping parent uh, a child with autism who can't speak. Wow. Mm. 
I don't know if I was expecting that one there, buddy. Whew. Um, that's pretty powerful. It was wild. Especially when our uh, ABA therapist at first, you're just trying to figure out what's the right thing to do. Yeah. Everybody throws all the information at you. You don't really know which way to go. You kind of choose a route and hope you did the right thing and learn from the good and the bad from all of it. Um, and and she was excellent. And like I said, I hope I hope we get to work with her again one day. Um, but even even from the get go, I, I I would tell her like, hey. I know this sounds crazy and I'm not comparing humans to dogs but like this makes sense to me because I've worked with dogs um, and we've done this type of training and what I've been able to do is not just be a traditional trainer in the sense of hey we're going to slap the e-collar on you and we're going to burn you up until you get it right Um, we're going to learn your strengths and weaknesses and how you were created and designed and I know that sounds so frou-frou for dogs but if you can spend time and get to know and build that relationship understand how that dog ticks you're going to be so much more successful in working and training with that dog and it was the same way with Renan right out the gate we were like okay well we want him to clap so let's do something that's going to agitate him and make him really want that thing back whether it was food or a toy until he claps and we thought okay well we got the desired behavior he clapped but what we noticed was a ton of negative behaviors that came along with that so we had to back up and reassess and, and reevaluate how are we how are we doing this? How are we how are we being good parents and, and good stewards of a blessing that God has given us? And being able to learn his strengths and his weaknesses and then tailor a I guess you could call it a training approach um, to speech therapy has been crucial and we've seen so much fruit. Our family has walked in, you know, we had holidays with Thanksgiving and Christmas, they've been around more, and we just heard a ton from them on, man, Ren is looking at me, or he's engaging with me more, and then when he's done, he's done. He goes back into the bedroom, and he'll he'll go to his place of comfort, um, but just taking those steps of, yeah, he's, he's still not, I can't walk up to him and give him a verbal command to go to his room or, or do this or do that, but we're learning ways um, to reach him and to help parent him just as he is. And that's the the beauty of raising a child with special needs. Um, At first, I was so scared. I had no idea what was going on. It felt like a burden. And a lot of days, it's super difficult. But my wife and I aren't really complainers. Um, So we take it on the chin and we roll on. But, you know, even the tough days and and the hard situations that we endure is so worth it because of, of who he is. Like, he sees the world in a way that a lot of people will never see the world and he's just so real and he's so raw and what you see is what you get and there's so much beauty in that and I posted that on my Instagram a couple months ago and it's just awesome to see how he in his own way communicates with us and the world around him so our prayer from the very beginning when we got the diagnosis was that God would use him and his autism for his glory and whatever that looks like, that we would be on board to just be a good steward of, of the blessing that, that he is as our son. Man, that's powerful. Yeah, we're going to have to do a whole other, <laughs> we're going to have to do a whole other talk on this one um, and get you and Carly on. And maybe me and Lisa, you and Carly, we can yeah talk about that whole thing and what that what that looks like even at a deeper level and mm-hmm. um and even help people because i don't know how many people that are going to listen to this that are going to have people that have children that are dealing with what you're dealing with oh yeah but um well i appreciate you sharing dude i appreciate that. the opportunity it's my first podcast this is my first time like interviewing somebody else other than Lisa <laughs> on a podcast. That was fun. I love so, to talk. Hopefully, I didn't talk too much. No, man, it was it was really really good. I'm I'm pro I'm processing that whole transition from dog training to Renan and and how that how God used that. And how it started for you, and then how God used that to teach you and to prepare you for where you're at 
today and and even going back to those lessons learned when we were working out the consistency the discipline Mm -hmm. and the enjoyment factor i think those three things apply from working out to dogs to hunting and even and parenting Mm -hmm. whether you have a child with special needs or whether you have a child that is uh, an adult child that you're still trying to parent or Mm -hmm. it's a a young adolescent or a teenager or college student you name it um, consistency discipline and the enjoyment the having fun piece yeah Uh, I think those are three critical lessons that you can apply in all of those areas. 100%. So, well, I appreciate your time, buddy. Man, I've enjoyed it. It's time to go see some kids and staff. Time we- to go try to hang with the youngins on the basketball court. Hey, y'all have a Merry Christmas. And um, before we go, Will, how can people get in touch with you if they have questions about dog training or – um, having questions about how do you, uh, how have you walked through this whole thing with autism and having a child with autism? The easiest way is probably to follow me on Instagram. I think it's Will P Five is the handle. Um, I can double check. That. I'll put that in the show notes. I'm pretty sure that's it though. Um, but most of we do. I'm an open book sometimes to a fault. People are like, Will, why'd you share that? Nobody cares. Um, but, you know, if it's an update on renting or if I'm training dogs or we're hunting or we're doing something with FCA, I just I try to use social media as a ministry um, and a tool to let people know what we're doing and advance the gospel. So if you want to reach out to me on there, you absolutely can. You can follow me on there. I'll be more than happy to answer any questions um, from <laughs> The very little amount of knowledge I have just from three and a half years, we still have a, a long way to go, uh, Lord willing. But we've definitely learned some lessons up to this point that I'm more than happy to walk through with somebody else because you're not alone. Um, man, if, if I've learned anything through this is that there's a lot of people who either have somebody uh, that they know close to them that is raising a child with special needs, even if it's not autism, um, or they have one themselves. And it's just nice to have a community of people that you can talk to event some days is bad some days is real ugly um but more than anything it's beautiful um and it's it's god's plan for my life and for your life and i'd love to to talk to you about it well amen well have a merry christmas and uh we will have our next podcast in the new year have a good one